Welcome to Lady BizWiz, where we help you focus, execute, and get results as you take your business from concept to market. Today you'll be hearing part one of a two-part series where Amy and I unpack the many things we learned from the Abode Creatives Retreat on Saturday, October 17th in Savannah, Georgia. There was a fabulous panel of speakers, including Amy, and we're going to hit some of the highlights, especially from the Q&A that we know you'll find really helpful as you launch your own business. Let's tune in now to part one. Well, good morning. Good morning. We are here on an early. We're off schedule today in a good way. It's early. We have a candle that is called, what's it called, Amy? Sweater. Snuggly, snuggly sweater. 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 <laughs> snuggly sweater. Candle going. And I have to say, I'm wearing a new sweater that I have for the first day. And it just feels so nice to have some cool weather. Doesn't it, Amy? Yes, we were talking. I was actually talking to my brother on the way here, and he was telling me that they live up in Greenville, South Carolina, and they had their first fire of the season because oh, it's up in the forties um, up in that area. And I'm like, yeah, we haven't gotten fires. I mean, it's sixty here, so I'm feeling like it's like crisp and cool. And he's like, oh no, it's forty up here, and we had a fire last night. So oh, wow, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a little jealous. I'm excited. So um, we are going to be kind of doing a debrief today. We attended. Well, Amy was was responsible for. Um, I guess pulling it together, coordinating along with Alex, Alex, um, who, you know, she owns a, a great little company here in town called Daughters Hand Woven, and she's a weaver. And so she weaves this amazing fabric. And I had gotten to know her over a couple of years, just kind of in awe of what she does, because she is so hands on and tactile with her products. And of course, I just love like that kind of stuff. So we had gotten to be friends and they had done a retreat I guess back in the spring or something, and she had wanted to do another one for creatives. And I got involved with that and, and helped kind of organize. And I was really mainly in charge, I guess, of, the, of pretty much assembling the speakers we had. And, and of course, I did food because I do love food. And, and it was great. So we so it was the Adobe Creatives Retreat that we were in Savannah on Abodes. Saturday. Abodes. Did yep. I say Adobe? You did. Like the Adobe Photo Suite? Yes, it was an Adobe. Oh, gosh. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> The Abodes yes. Creatives Retreat. Yes. On Saturday, um, it was an all-day event, and we had a, a lineup of great speakers. So we learned. I mean, I, I learned a lot just being there, and we had we had a you know a good sized crowd who most of whom were starting out with their businesses. Um, you know, some have some had names, some had been doing it a while, some were still doing it as a hobby, and were wanting to take it to the next step. Um, but so we're just going to kind of unpack some things about the conference. And I think the first thing that, that I want to say is that one thing that hit me hard, I think coming out of the whole COVID thing is, you know, it's one thing to learn things by reading books or listening to podcasts or watching YouTube videos. That's all, that all has its place, but there's something really special when you get in a room with other people and especially with those women who have experience doing what it is you want to do. You really can't harness that in the form of a book or a podcast, but to be able to have that face face to face interaction and be able to ask questions, be able to pick someone's brain, it's so incredibly valuable. Well, we were we're we're a social being, and you know the lockdown thing and and COVID, you know that took a lot of that aspect out of our life, and you know so we ended up going to Zoom and facetimes to to try to make connections and because that was really all we had but you know I never will think that anything can compete with 
coming alongside each other. Um, honestly, whether it's to learn or to support, there's just something about tangibly being together that creates an energy all of its own. So, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I just, I hope that we continue you know, as we push through COVID and, and push through living with, you know, this virus and whatever, whatever it brings that we will continue to, to begin gathering again and begin um, encouraging and supporting. And that's really what I felt Saturday. Um, even as somebody who helped put it together, there was things that I learned and there's always things to learn. So, you know, that was really, it was just a really great day. I thought it was great. And you mentioned something before we started uh, recording today about, um, and, and you've talked about this in other podcasts that sometimes you plan a certain way and it's, you know, on paper, it feels great or it doesn't feel great. But then when you actually do it, you might, you, you learn something new. Can you maybe yeah. just elaborate on that a little bit? So, you know, you've kind of gotten to know me through the podcast. And so I'm really kind of somebody who kind of goes in, charges, makes every minute count, go, 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 go. And so when Alex and I were putting this schedule together, and, and like I said, I really was more in charge of putting the assembling the speakers and doing the food. And Alex um, was really more in charge of the marketing side, the design of the feel of the event and more of the aesthetic stuff. And so Alex had really kind of planned this day with, you know, a speaker and then a, really a 15 minute break, th maybe 30 minutes. I mean, there were these long breaks between the speakers. And I remember looking at the, um, the rundown going, well, that is just an awful lot of break time because my mind goes, book them, Dano, book them, Dano, book them, Dano, and get them through the, get them through the gauntlet. And, you know, this is exactly where it's great to have different personalities approach a project because, um, again, that wasn't anything I, I raised. I just, I remember looking at it going, that was just an awful lot of breaks, but it wasn't something that I, you know, raised a concern about. I was trusting, you know, what Alex was in charge of in the same way she was trusting what I was in charge of. So it all came together and she printed it out and, and the day came and I kind of felt like the day would go slow, but truly it was really so magical in, in really her insight of that, that if a speaker went long or questions went long, you weren't feeling rushed. So nobody was falling behind. There was time in between each speaker for conversation to happen and that connection to happen and nothing about the day felt rushed, which was really Alex's brainchild and this whole idea of the retreat aspect versus a day of learning. She wanted it to be about learning, but she also was really adamant about, you know, this whole idea of taking a day of, of retreat, of, of basically renewal. And it wasn't really in these odd little moments of of the breaks that I was able to sit in a chair with somebody and they're like, Hey, I have this question. And, and the brain can kind of begin to, to click together. And I'm like, Oh, well this is, and then that conversation could happen. And so really the genius of everything about the day was it wasn't on my agenda. It wasn't on my ideas. It was a collaboration of, of people who approach things differently coming together to create something that I really felt at the end of the day was amazing. Well said. Um, we the the morning started with um, with a trademark attorney, 
Yes. She was our first speaker. Kate Strain is a local trademark attorney here in Savannah, Georgia. I have used her for multiple things. I, I joke that she's like one of the few people that tells me no and halfway gets away with it because <laughs> trademark's tricky. And uh, I've unfortunately learned that um, the hard way, but trademark's tricky, but she's an expert in it. And, you know, we have a dialogue back and forth, but yeah, she started us off um, Saturday morning. Yeah, and I thought it was um, a really interesting talk that she gave, just talking about, you know, just kind of going over the different aspects of trademark and um, what does that mean and how important is it to, to to make sure that that happens before you get too far along in your business. Um, what were some of the questions that, that came up in that session for her? Well, the number one, you know, people always ask is, that, I mean, I would assume that she gets this question a lot, is my name trademarkable? I mean, because that's, we've all sat down and created our name. And there was a sweet girl there that was starting a bakery. And she had a really kind of a cute name for the bakery. I think it was called Crumb. Crumb? Crumbs? Crumb. It was, it was, I, I think it was Crumbs. Crumbs. Anyway, super cute. Um, but she had already started to face some hurdles with the name as she was trying to incorporate in the state of Georgia. The name was not actually even available from the corporation side and it's a it's a rather broad name and it's a cute name for a bakery but you know probably not trademarkable because probably somebody has it um as a trademark and so that was kind of what you know she was kate was going through is what creates a strong mark and what is a weak mark and you know one thing that i learned through the process is that Two names that sound the same but are spelled differently, the one that holds the trademark actually ends up holding the trademark on both of them because trademark is not just what's written, it's how it sounds. Because we're talking about word of mouth. Because you're talking about word of mouth. It may come out the same way. Do you remember the example she gave on that? Oh, I don't. Okay. Um, But... but she was talking, but my, my favorite one was, a, she said, a local landscape company in, here, in Savannah, and she helped them, I guess, with their trademark, and their trademark is seaweed, S-E-E-W-E-E-D, seaweed landscaping. And it was a great play on the word seaweed, which is obviously something from the ocean, but obviously seeing weeds in your yard. And so she was talking about how that was a solid, a strong mark. But, you know, I mean, I've, we've tried to, I mean, my husband and my sons are trying to, you know, trademark their name for their duct cleaning business. And we've had to, we're coming up with new ones right now because what we've originally named it is not trademarkable. Right. And so, um, you know, Kate also mentioned that, you know, it does cost a little bit of money to, to get the trademark done, get the process done. And, you know, she recommended for a lot of these young women that were kind of just starting out, she said, you know, save the money up. And when, you know, when you have the money saved, come to me and we'll get it done. So I thought that was a good, good advice too, for maybe these girls who hadn't even yet picked a name. We're still really in the very beginning stages of business. Yes. I mean, you don't want to rebrand later down the line. Um, because that's what can happen if you go forward on a business that you're that's not trademarkable or is infringing on somebody's other's trademark that you're not aware of, and then you can get you know that lovely cease and desist letter that says you're infringing on my trademark. Um, trademark is interesting. Um, one thing I mean I've known, but one thing she taught on um, on Saturday was that everybody has to police their own trademark. So the right. trademark office does not police trademarks or does not police infringing on trademarks you as your own business have to police um trademark infringements and so she was talking about how she even offered a service that basically went out 
and found Google, I mean, whatever her analytics do, it feeds out into the world her trademarks that she's monitoring to see if anybody's infringing on that. So that would be really interesting because obviously the country's huge. And how do you know if there's not a, a shop in California that and is infringing? I did find it interesting, too, that most of the panel of speakers had started out with their business being a hobby and then it transitioned into being a profitable business. So there, you know, not just for you, but I remember with Lane as well, she had a time period where she was just doing it as a hobby and then, you know, had to deal with the ramifications of the trademark issue. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, especially in creative style businesses, I think it's probably more prevalent. You enjoy doing something and then you do it. And then somebody's like, Ooh, I'd like to buy that. And so you sell it and then somebody else wants to buy it and then you sell it and then you're like, oh, I'll go to a craft show and then you sell it. And, and before you know it, really what you're just kind of enjoying doing, um, if it gets enough traction, does become a business. And so we talked about at least my part of the talk was how do you take that hobby from a hobby to a business? And of course, that's half of what we talk about here every week right. is that idea. Um, but yeah, I think especially in creatives, I mean, I don't know necessarily in service businesses. I don't know. I mean, I don't think my husband ever decided that he would just do duck cleanings as a hobby. It was always more of a well thought out or at least a semi well thought out business idea that really always kind of from the beginning formed in that direction. But um, creatives, definitely. Home bakers start baking cookies for somebody, and then all of a sudden somebody wants to buy cookies. I mean, it's right. it's, it's very, very, very prevalent in um, in the home, I mean, in the creatives land, I think differently than in, I would say, like service businesses. Right. So um, you were the second speaker. I was. And do you, were there any questions that anyone asked you over the weekend that maybe stand out to you as something that could be helpful for our listeners today? You know, at one of the breaks, I was talking to a lady um, who has kind of a, a booth um, here in town. And so we have like in, in our town, we have a couple little areas that have, um, you, you rent like a little 10 by 10 booth inside a building and it's open store hours and and you stock your little booth, but you don't really have to sit in there and man your booth, for instance. And so she was like, I had this idea, and I've got this little booth. And her booth was really French-inspired and a super cute idea. And so she has an art background, so she started designing cards and things like that. And, you know, but really, was she making any money? And what did she need to do to start making money? And, um, you know, cards are ex they're inexpensive items. So it's a lot of cards you have to generate to, you know, pay for this booth. And... And so we were just sitting there talking and, you know, she was like feeling discouraged and, you know, and that's the one thing I said, you know, don't be discouraged, don't quit, You're, it's working, but just kind of look deeper in some things, some bigger scaled items, some bigger pieces. She, she loves this French inspired furniture and she, that's why she started it is she had some furniture and she didn't need it. And she put it in there to sell and it sold well. And I said, so, you know, keep that in mind, go on buying ideas to grow that furniture is a bigger price point than say a greeting a card, card. Right. um and so mix that up but you know she was having good success and you know one month she didn't have great you know she said she cost her money and, and so I wouldn't let one month deter you I said I would keep going forward um I mean always just keep going forward I mean I, I keep you know I would keep evaluating it but I would keep making the adjustments until you kind of get into that category that that business is supporting itself because that's what my talk was about was really transitioning from a hobby that you're putting money into where to a point that the business starts generating its own revenue and starts 
paying you. And so that's kind of, and that is the hardest little hurdle, I think, to come up with because you can, you can hire a trademark attorney to get your name trademarked and you can hire somebody to handle your bookkeeping and you can hire somebody to run your social media and you, but at the end of the day, all that only works if you transition to sales. Right. I don't know why this is sticking out in my head because it's, it happened later in the day during the panel, but it kind of stuck out in my mind. This, this one young lady asked the question, how do I know how much I'm worth? She, and she was talking about selling her product and Alex corrected her and said, Oh no, you need to understand. It's not, it's not, the question is how much you're worth. The question is how much is your product worth? And we had this, I think it ended up in a really good discussion about how to value your product. And I think you maybe lended some, what do you want to, do you want to extrapolate on that a little bit? Yeah. So again, in a product based business and and there are, there are obviously exceptions to this rule. So obviously a fine artist would be an exception to this rule. Um, fine artists as they become successful, fine art painters, for instance, as they become successful, you know, their pricing for their paintings increase. So that's not what we're talking about. Um, What we're talking about in this particular situation was a lady that did candles. And so how do I know how to price my candle is really what it kind of boiled down to. And, you know, and we contrasted that by Alex. So let's just use these two examples. So um, the lady who asked the question, she had a candle business. And so how much are you, you know, how much is somebody willing to pay for a candle? And that was the question. And so there's a ceiling pretty much on candles because candles are, for instance, a pretty competitive market. You can go to TJ Maxx and get candles for, you know, six bucks. You can, you know, versus you can go to luxury stores and get candles for $80. So there's a huge value in candles. Um, versus let's just say Alex. Alex hand weaves her fabric. So everything she makes from her fabric, every blanket, every dog leash, every bag, every scarf is hand woven. And that is not a scalable model in the fact that she cannot weave faster. She just has to hire more weavers. Um, but, you know, so her product is a higher product. So she can't use the same model because the candle model basically is your cost of your goods um, multiplied by a multiplier um, for wholesale. If you're doing wholesale, multiplied by another multiplier if you're going into retail and we, you and then you kind of get to a number and then you then you look at that number like, well, could I push it higher or is it too high and do I need to come down low? And I thought it was great because you came up with a formula, which was take the cost that your your cost for the candle and multiply it times four. Because if for you retail for, for retail, because if you want to eventually go wholesale, you're going to have to bring that down. And if correct. you start too low, you, you can't, can't, you have correct. no room, no room to go. Um, correct. I mean, the baker's another example. I mean, how much are you willing to pay for a cupcake? I mean, so again, there's kind of a threshold of what consumers will pay for your goods. Um, but I know a baker here in town that does, you know, basically sculpture wedding cakes and those wedding cakes can run two thousand dollars they're you know they're works of art and the number of hours that go into them yes tremendous again it it really kind of depends on what you're offering are you is there something so i mean are you hand painting inside your candles i mean it's just really it 
are you a candle manufacturer? Are you an are you adding an art component that creates an original piece? I mean, as far as what you can. When you mentioned charge. the eighty dollars candles that came in a really beautiful box. Oh yeah, they were so outstanding. I mean, they really they were so outstanding, and and I think the box probably cost more than anything else. But but she had built. I mean, that particular lady um, had built this really luxury line, and her everything about her product. Um, was so on point um, mm. from from really the entire and and her when you bought her candle and you really probably bought it as a gift um, you knew when you gave that it was going to be like a there was going to be that moment that you know that it was going to be pretty extraordinary because everything about that was pretty extraordinary so you can build that into your product and you can get you know a higher price point obviously are you going to run off higher price point or are you going to run off volume um, one of the questions that somebody asked um, during the break was you know, wholesale has a tighter margin. So your, your, your profit margins less, but somebody goes, Oh, well you just make up profit with volume. And I, and I said, no, you don't make up profit with volume. If you've got a 30 cent profit in something selling 10,000 of that at 30 cents, doesn't make up Mm -hmm. the volume. So you do need to have profit in everything you're selling. You do, you do scale up with on wholesale. Um, if you've got a, you know, price correctly with profit in it, then obviously you get kind of the best, you know, a little bit of the best of both, but deeply discounting something and you making 30 cents on a product that the retailer is going to make six bucks on doesn't make any sense. So right. you don't make up profit and volume, but you do want to look at that um, if you're quoting a bigger job or something. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about Janelle um, and how she's helped you so Janelle, um, actually, she's not really helped me with my business. So Janelle was somebody, my friend, who you hear me talk about all the time, Candace, um, actually is who uses Janelle. Oh, okay. And um, how that kind of came about is I was helping Candace for a couple of years, kind of clean up her books um, for year end. She was helping with some other things, which, like I said, was such a great symbiotic relationship, but I could help her clean her books up so that her and her husband could do their tax returns. And about two years into doing this, I told her, I'm like, Candace, you really probably need to find an accountant. And I said, you're at the point, you're, you're, you're not taking advantage of deductions that you could, that, and I'm not a CPA, so I don't even know what deductions you're not taking advantage of, but you're not taking advantage of deductions that I know you could take advantage of. Said, Such as like a home office? Oh, there's probably a hundred that right. somebody who's doing their own taxes because it's not their expertise, they're looking at the standard deductions but don't really understand how to create a set of books that maximizes you know your exposure legally maximizes your minimizes your exposure legally not you know you're not cooking books you're not cheating books you're just taking advantage of everything that the government allows you to take advantage which is quite an extensive list for those of you who are maybe just getting started um she put a list of i wish i had that slide it's a huge thing it's a long list of things that you can actually deduct and things that people wouldn't think about Right. Um, truly. So that's ended up how that, how Janelle kind of came into my sphere of knowledge is Candace called me, um, back in the summer. She's like, I did it. I hired a CP, uh, an accountant and Janelle was the accountant she hired. And she's like, I've never been so happy to pay for my accountant. She, I mean, I think she got, 
I know, I'm not, not going to quote the number, but anyway, I believe it was an exorbitant refund that they were able to get, and they had never gotten one in the last like handful of years because Janelle was able to really look at her business as a whole and and get them. And she goes, it, it, she ended up so when she ended up paying the accountant, ended up paying Janelle. She ended up making so much more money than the accountant cost her. Say that is money well spent, right there. It was there. money well spent, and and so when I was putting the panel together, I called Candace, and I'm like, what's the, you know, what's your lady's name? And what I love about Janelle is not only does she do um, tax returns and that kind of thing, um, she actually has a part of her business that she's building up of really empowering and training small businesses how to use QuickBooks effectively and efficiently. So she's created this whole portal, um, which is its own little product business, which I think is really quite great. And the pricing is awesome. And I'm going to include that link oh, on, this, on, these pod, on this podcast notes. Her, pro, her, pro, uh, her program is called Bookkeep 101. It's O-N-E dash O dash O-N-E. Bookkeep, Bookkeep 101. Um, and actually, she's running a special in the month of October. Um, there's a 15% off special, which I'll put the promo code also in the notes. She's a, she's a fireball. She's so funny. She's just so passionate about helping Businesswoman, so passionate. Love that is. about her. Love that about her. And so really at the end of the day, for me, I'm like, I went to talk to her and I'm like, I really probably need to look at, have you look at doing some stuff because it's while I can do bookkeeping and I, you know, at one point in time was a certified QuickBooks professional. I don't love doing it. And my books are always the last thing that gets done. And, um, and I do think that with having multiple businesses, it's time for me to kind of get a Janelle on my team that can, again, help me do planning because the, the, these women, and, and Janelle's a great example, they're not just the person you go to for April 15th, which is great if that's what service you want to use. But as you're growing a business, they can actually help you plan. This is a good year to buy a piece of equipment that you've been looking at because the IRS, for instance, has given a um, an itemized deduction for X amount of dollars. Um, so when you if you work with somebody... Um, and honestly, she can work remotely, so you could actually use her if you're not even in Savannah. Loved her, loved her energy. She was like, I get so out of breath because I could talk about books all day long. <laughs> and everybody in the room went, oh, because we were in a room of creatives, and the last thing your creatives really like are the numbers. What, but, is, um, what is the name of her business? Is it J and, J and S? J and S. I think okay. is what it is. And phenomenal. Just, just really learned a lot. I mean, and I've been doing books and owning a business for 30 years, so I mean, accountants are nothing new to me, but... Just really a breath of fresh air. Really loved her approach on the whole thing. Really a phenomenal, phenomenal woman. Yes. Again, we will um, we will leave some some notes uh, for you guys if you want to reach out to Janelle for for help or and we'll Kate put Strain Kate, as well. We'll put Kate yeah. Strain stuff on there too because she is again she works remotely. You don't have to be in Savannah for her to you know help you tackle some trademarks. And she stuff. said she does free consultations on the phone. She does. She's great. I mean, really a phenomenal asset to whatever you're thinking of doing. Thank you for joining us today on Lady BizWiz. As always, we value your feedback. Please reach out to us if you have any questions or any ideas for future podcasts. Questions at ladybizwiz.com is where you can find us. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.